You found Health Dose, a conversational podcast that focuses on your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell, and today we're going to focus on your breast health with Dr. Terry Stull, a board-certified breast surgeon at MidMichigan Medical Center, West Branch. Today we'll talk about the importance of a screening mammogram and services available for women. Health Dose asked Dr. Stull, when should a patient start annual screening mammograms? So it's kind of become a little bit of a controversial subject. It sort of depends on which governing body is dictating the the screening. In general, it's always been starting at the age of 40. The U.S. Preventative Task Force came out with a recommendation saying maybe that we should start thinking about doing them at 50. And the reason that they changed the age was not because there weren't lives saved in that 40 to 49 year old age group, but because there were not enough lives saved to warrant screening the entire population. So I always tell my 40 to 49 year olds, you decide if your life is worth saving. (laughs) (laughs) I recommend starting them at 40. Um, There is then the every year or every other year discussion and the every other year reason for that is, is if we do mammograms every other year instead of every year, there's no change in surviving your breast cancer if it's detected. The difference may be the change in treatment, though, if you do it every year. So if you get one every year and you find the tumor smaller, you may need less treatment, less medicine, less radiation, something like that. So I, again, say it's not going to change your survival, but it may change your treatment. Does your recommendation change if there's a history of breast cancer in your patient? Absolutely. So the typical recommendation, if you have a family history of breast cancer, is that you start your screening studies at the age of 40 or 10 years before the incident case. Meaning if your mom was 45 when she got diagnosed, we would start screening you at 35. Now, that being said, if your mom was 32 when she was diagnosed, we don't do mammograms on 22-year-olds. So in general, nobody with a breast who is 30 years or younger should be getting mammograms because during that time period, your breasts are still in development. And so that small amount of radiation could be the trigger of something bad. And so we typically don't need a mammogram in that age group anyway. If they come in, they're coming with a focused problem. They got a focused area of pain or a lump. And so all we need really is an ultrasound. And when you say that it doesn't change your necessarily survivability when you have it every year as opposed to every other year, but the treatment may be different. Is the treatment less severe if you have it every year? Well, it depends on the tumor. If you have one that is a centimeter and then two years later, it's four centimeters, then there may be a larger area that needs to be removed, or it may mean you might need a mastectomy instead of breast conservation. You might need more medicine like chemotherapy that you might not have needed. There's a lot of different things that can kind of play into that. For some people, it won't change their treatment at all. You use 3D mammography as one of your tools. How is that different from traditional mammography? Yeah, 3D is really an exciting development. We had 2D mammograms for a long time. And when you say 2D, it's two-dimensional. So that means you're taking the pictures in two dimensions. You typically from the head down towards the toes, and then they take a picture from the sides. So those two views are then compared and they try to see if there's any lumps or masses or anything abnormal. When you're doing a 3D picture, you're taking a three-dimensional picture and they do that by taking a series of 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 pictures. So it's almost like a video. And so when they do that, then they can put those images together and they can make 
a three-dimensional picture of the breast. And that helps detect things like masses because a lot of times when you have a mammogram, if you have overlapping dense tissue, then it will look like a mass on a mammogram because it's just double tissue. But if you have a 3D mammogram and they're taking pictures all the way around, they can see that that's actually overlapping tissue rather than a mass. One of the big important things about a 3D mammogram is it actually reduces the callback rate. So we can detect, we can tell that what we're seeing is not a mass, it's actually just overlapping tissue. So in that regard, a 3D mammogram is better because it eliminates some false positives? That's exactly the term, false positives. So you know, anybody who has ever had that callback, oh, we need to take more pictures, the anxiety level just goes through the roof. And so if we can eliminate some level of having to call those ladies back, we're cutting down on that fear and that anxiety. Now, as a person who's been squished before, I've had my own mammogram, does the three, but I think it was 2D, does the 3D hurt more? Is it more invasive? Well, so the 3D mammogram takes a little bit more time. So if you're taking 90 pictures, although they're very quickly taken, you have to be in that compression for a little longer than a 2D when they're just doing one zap and then one zap. But with the newer machines, they have found better ways to curve the plate that holds the compression so that it can be a little bit more comfortable with that compression, molding more to the curve of the breast. So you've got a curve that more fits the body as opposed to the waffle maker that I was stuck in. Exactly, exactly. If a breast assessment indicates a high risk of developing breast cancer, what are the next steps that you offer your patient? So this is another reason to start getting mammograms at 40 instead of 50 is that particularly in MidMichigan Health and other places, but here we will do a breast cancer risk assessment when you get your mammogram. So from the time you walk in the door, we're going to ask questions about your family history, your personal history, and then through computer models, we're able to estimate what is the risk that you're gonna get breast cancer in the near future and over your lifetime. So if we find out that you fall into that category we would call high risk, then we want to do more of a deeper dive and we wanna find out about that risk. So if you have a higher risk, then we're going to do a few things. First of all, we're going to discuss the ways we can reduce that risk. We're going to talk about the things you can do personally. We're going to talk about the things that are bad habits, you know, smoking, alcohol, being overweight. Being overweight by itself is a risk factor for breast cancer. So somebody has a higher BMI, we're going to be more aggressive about chatting with them about trying to get into better healthy habits. And if you are high risk, then some of those patients actually would fall into the category of doing additional testing. So we might be doing something like an ultrasounds or MRIs because they have a higher risk of getting breast cancer than the average population. So we may want to screen them more. The other thing that we can discover when we get this significant family history portion of stuff, everybody says, well, I'm not going to get breast cancer because my mom didn't have it. And the truth of the matter is, is actually 80 to 90% of breast cancers are not hereditary, but we want to find that 10 to 20% of people that have that hereditary pattern because those are the people that may have the higher risk and may even harbor a genetic mutation and that they may be predisposed to not only breast cancer, other malignancies or other cancers as well. So we want to find that out so that we can screen them in other ways. We can be more proactive about preventing cancers. So at MidMichigan Health, we also have cancer genetic counselors 
that can help determine whether or not you should get that test. So explain that a little more in depth. You said that 80% of breast cancers are not hereditary. Right, right. But in that 20% population, there's a good chance they might get breast cancer. Right. So that 20% population is sort of divided into 10% of all people diagnosed with breast cancers have the chance of having a genetic mutation. So if we have an identifiable genetic mutation, BRCA is the one that everybody is aware of and everybody knows of. So that's the one that's most often talked about, but there are other genes that can be mutated or broken and non-functional that can predispose you to not only breast cancer, but other cancers like colon cancer or ovarian cancer, or uterine cancer, some of which could be much more dangerous. So 10% would have the mutation. Then there's the 10% we call the mystery families or the hereditary breast cancers without mutations. So that's when your three sisters have had breast cancer, your mom, your aunt, and your cousin, and we don't have a mutation that we have identified yet. So we don't know in those families, whether it's a environmental, did they grow up on a toxic waste dump, you know, or did they have microwave beams, you know, coming through their roof, or is it a genetic mutation that we have not identified yet? I guess my takeaway from it is that a mammogram is a very important tool for a breast surgeon like you, but it's not the end all, be all, do all. There's a lot of things. You you can't just say, well, I've had my mammogram, I'm good, because there may be other things in play. There are several different things in play. I mean, first and foremost, we should also talk about breast density because dense breast tissue can change what we would recommend for screening. But mammograms alone may not be it if you are at that higher risk. So if you are one of these families that have a genetic mutation, we may be more proactive about prevention. And if you're not with a genetic mutation, we may be changing our screening recommendations. We may be adding something else besides just a mammogram. When it comes to the breast density, that's a whole other discussion. I think when somebody gets a letter from their doctor that says they have some kind of abnormality that may increase their risk for the C word, that's got to scare them a lot. Tell me about that letter and what kind of reactions you get when your patients get a note saying you have dense breast tissue? Right. So dense breast tissue means that breasts are glands that make milk and the milk is made in lobules and ducts and there's fibrous tissue that helps support that. Some people have more of this glandular and fibrous tissue and other people have more of the fatty tissue. The fatty tissue is easier to mammogram because there's nothing that hinders us seeing anything. When you have the dense breast tissue, dense breast tissue on a mammogram is white. What we're looking for when we're looking for lumps or masses are white things. So it's kind of like looking for a polar bear in a snowstorm. And so we can miss cancers in a dense breast more frequently than we would in a fatty replaced breast. So we want to identify the people with dense breasts so that we could be more proactive about talking about other ways to screen those breasts. So when a radiologist reads a mammogram, they have to literally assign it a category, A, B, C, or D, fatty replaced, scattered densities, heterogeneously dense, or extremely dense. So if you have that heterogeneously dense or extremely dense breast tissue, then you're going to get that letter. You're going to get a letter that says, you have dense breast tissue, the mammogram is not as sensitive in a dense breast, and you may benefit from additional screening. And the reason, other than educating the patient, the reason we actually have to send that letter is because it's the law in Michigan. In 2015, Michigan passed a law that says that if you have dense breasts on your mammogram, we have to tell you that. So that was dictated by the state. And 
there's about, I actually haven't looked lately, there's over 30 states that have a law that dictates that. And so once you get that letter, then you and your doctor should have a discussion about what might be a good ways to screen the breast in addition to a mammogram. The mammogram is still important. People say, well, if I need an MRI or I need an ultrasound, let me just get that. But we still need to have the mammogram because there are certain things that can only be seen on a mammogram. The big thing is calcifications. And calcifications on a mammogram could be the first indication that there is a process that's going on that could become malignant if it isn't already. So is it that people with dense breast tissue are more likely to have cancer or is it just harder to find those tumors with our conventional imaging techniques? The answer to your question is yes. (laughs) So it is harder to detect with the traditional mammogram. That's one of the reasons the 3D mammogram has been better because we can detect those masses a little bit better in a 3D mammogram. And so we have been able to prove that we see a few more cancers with 3D than 2D. We really haven't proven that that's changed survivability of breast cancer. So we haven't proved that the 3D mammograms have saved more lives than a 2D. That's still in the investigational area, studies being done. But the other thing about the dense breast tissue is for some reason, we also know that the person with dense breast tissue has a slightly higher risk of breast cancer than the non-dense breast. So when we're doing like at MidMichigan, when we're doing that breast cancer risk assessment, part of the information that's going to be contributing to that decision or to that assessment is the density of your breasts. So if somebody is found to be at high risk, what are the services and what are the diagnostic tools and things available to them in our region? Yeah, so MidMichigan Health has a couple of very important things for the high-risk patient. First of all, we have a high-risk clinic. Whether you're in West Branch, it could be me personally that sees you, or down at MidMichigan in Midland, there are clinics that will monitor the patient with a higher risk. And that's important because besides just getting your mammogram, we're going to follow your family history and your personal history to see if anything changes your risk. And then on top of that, We do have genetic counselors in a cancer genetics clinic that will help you get tested to see if you have a genetic mutation that makes you predisposed to not only breast cancer, but other cancers. And it may not just be breast. You know, your family history may tell us that there's other cancers that we need to be aware of. And so it's important to find, it's a small percentage of people, but it is important to find those families that have the mutations so that we can be more proactive about screening, recommendations about prevention, and being even more aggressive in the form of surgeries or other manners to try to reduce that risk. We have other tests like MRIs and ultrasounds that we might do on a person who's at an increased risk for breast cancer. We're certainly going to be much more diligent about making sure they get their annual mammogram too. And of course, early detection is the key with all this stuff. So give us your speech again one more time. Who should be tested? How often? What are the things that you like to see from your patients in terms of their participation? Number one for me is I do recommend, still recommend having your mammogram started at the age of 40. There is reasons to do it and reasons not to do it between the ages of 40 and 50. I still think that it is proven that there's still life saved by doing it between the ages of 40 and 49. So I have sisters that are between the ages of 40 and 49, and I think their lives are worth saving. So I tell them to get a mammogram. Now, if you have somebody in your family, a first degree relative who's had breast cancer at a young age, then I might start screening even younger. But having a mammogram and having a mammogram every year does benefit. It does, uh, the key to cure is early detection. And so it benefits you to have a mammogram and it benefits you to have them on a yearly basis. 
That is board-certified breast surgeon Dr. Terry Stull at MidMichigan Medical Center in West Branch. As always, if you have health concerns, the best place to start is your primary care provider. If you need help finding a primary care provider, go to midmichigan.org doctors. And to learn more about MidMichigan Health's comprehensive breast health program, go to midmichigan.org slash breast health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Thanks again for listening. Check back again soon for another edition of Health Dose.